And so we pick up in chapter 4, we're start off in verse 23. And so a, a very quick recap, you have uh, about 10,000 new believers in Jerusalem who uh, have, have realized that Jesus is the Messiah that was uh, promised and uh, realized that uh, he, they allowed him to be murdered. Uh, but now they realize that that was, was a sacrificial death for the sins of the world, that he was the, the Lamb of God that would take away our sins. And so they've realized who, who he was and, and is and will always be. And uh, now they're like, what do we do? You know, did, did we miss our opportunity because he has died, resurrected, and now ascended into heaven? Is it too late for us? And they say, oh, no, it's, it's not too late for anybody. Right? With me? Right? Good? Okay. Not too late for anybody. And so uh, they begin to tell them, uh, repent and uh, believe in, like, place your faith in Christ as your Savior, and you will receive forgiveness, and you will be filled with the Spirit of God. And so... They uh, have done that. And so you have 10,000 or so spirit-filled believers who are cranked and ready to go. They're like, all right, what, are we, what do we do with this, this new life? Like suddenly we, we used to be a pile of bones in a graveyard. And now he has put us, made us into this army. Uh, what do we do next? And uh, it's like, well, he basically told us what to do. He said, you need to go. And everywhere you go, as you go, you, you make disciples by baptizing people and by teaching them what I taught you. You just replicate what we have done, what Jesus has done with the disciples. You just replicate that over and over again. Um, and so that's what they begin to do. And they begin to teach all these new believers exactly the way that Jesus taught them. And it says they were devoted to the, the teaching of the apostles. They're, they're devoted to the scriptures. They're devoted to one another as, a, as this shared community. They were devoted to uh, breaking bread together in their homes and a part of that was celebrating the, the body and blood of Christ. Uh, and they were devoted to, to prayer. And as they were devoted, God used that and, and began to do all these miraculous things. And uh, as miracles would happen, people would say, what's going on here? And they would say, well, this is Jesus at work. And they would say, tell me more about him. And it would just kind of keep going in this direction. And it was the kind of direction that was thrilling to the Jesus community. And it was absolutely scary and threatening and terrible to the religious community and to the like Roman authorities because this, this uh, movement was getting out of hand. And so Peter and John end up getting uh, detained and they get questioned because they had, healed, uh, they had healed a man who had been unable to walk his entire life. They healed him. They told everyone that this was Jesus at work. And they were saying that Jesus, you know, they were talking about the resurrection, that all of us can be you know, raised again. And um, that got them in a bit of trouble. And so they go to the, the Sanhedrin, where, where one of their powerful religious groups, and uh, they're detained and they're questioned. And they kind of like basically give them an ultimatum and they let them go. And that's where, that's where we pick up there. So really random synopsis of Acts up until that point. Don't quote me on it. Okay. Um, Verse 23 says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. I'm going to stop right there. We're going to do one of those things where we read a little bit. I talk a little bit. Um, So they, so they, they're released. They go to their friends and they basically give a report on what was told to them. 
And so if you back up just a little bit in chapter 4, you look at, at 18. This is what it says in 18. Um, so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That was the, that was the threat. That was the ultimatum. Do not uh, speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, which we don't know what that is necessarily, uh, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people for all were praising God for what had happened. So uh, you look back at verse 23, they go and they report back what happened. And look at verse 24. When they heard this report, they lifted their voices together to God. Now, as I'm preparing and studying and everything, I, I got, I, it took me a bit to get past that right there. That that was their very first instinct. They real, their first thing, they hear the report. And they're like, um, we need to pray. Because we need, we need God to help us. Their very first instinct was Prayer. And the reason I got hung up on it is because of how many times, confessionally, that is not my first instinct, you know. When something happens, there are times when immediately I'm like, I need, I need some time with the Lord on this. But there are lots of times when my personal leap is into logic, you know, earth, earthly wisdom, personal experience. Maybe I'm quick to text some friends or like if I'm with some people like, hey, let me ask you, I just got this, I just found this out, I'm not sure what to do, you know, seek advice from other people. Um, I love the fact that these brand new Christians, I mean, infants in the faith, the first thing they thought to do was we need to pray. And I can't help but think the reason they, they thought that is because they, that's what they had been taught. That's what they had been trained to do. In the very short time that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit and walking under the discipleship of the apostles, they had been taught, this is how we handle life. This is what we do when a curveball comes to us. We don't, we don't start texting people immediately. We don't rely on our experience. We don't default to earthly wisdom. We don't, you know, this, 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 this. We join our voices in prayer together. I was challenged by that. Maybe you're challenged by that. Not sure. But I feel like there's a lesson to learn. You know, you don't always learn lessons from the seasoned veterans of the faith. Sometimes you learn lessons from the infants of the faith as well. Being trained by the seasoned veterans, it should all, it should all work together. And so they immediately they pray. And let's look at their prayer. Second half of verse 24. This is what they said. Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Let's hit pause right there. Some of y'all are nervous because it said predestined. Y'all are like, oh no. 
So this is, this is their prayer. And it's at first, like that's kind of one of those, those stretches of scripture that I, like, I'm just confessing all kinds of stuff today. I tend to just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like really, it's kind of wordy and kind of like, yeah, Old Testament quote. Okay. Let's, let's get to the, get to the meat of it. But this is part of the meat of it, you know. So let's just phrase by phrase. Let's just kind of walk through this for a second and analyze this prayer because what they are saying has incredible significance. Uh, so they start off the first line: "Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them." Okay, so they start their prayer uh, by acknowledging who who God is, His character, His power, His sovereignty over history. That's the beginning of their prayer. And I can't help but think that that's, they start off praying that way because they were taught to pray that way. And they, the, like, the like seasoned veterans among them were taught to pray that way by Jesus himself. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? So they, they learned to pray from Jesus, and now they have been passing that on to one another. So they start off, they're saying, God, this is, this is who you are. And then it says... Uh, who through the mouth of your, of our father, David, your servant said by the Holy spirit. And then it goes on to quote part of Psalm two. Now, one of the things that, uh, you know, there's a couple of handy things from seminary that I learned. And one of them was that, uh, whenever you see a part of a Psalm quoted, um, they are referencing the entire Psalm, but they just don't have time to like recite the whole thing. So they'll just say a phrase of it, knowing that that is what the whole community has, that, that's how they prayed. They prayed the scriptures. And so they would, it would have brought to mind the whole thing. So if I say to you, uh, the land of the free and the home of the brave, you know, I'm talking about America. I don't have to sing the national anthem for you to do. I can just quite quote a phrase of that, or, or I could say a part of the pledge of allegiance and you would know we're talking about that. So things that are just a part of our culture that you don't have to go through the whole thing. You can just quote a reference and it brings the whole thing to mind. That's what's happening here. So they, so they quote Psalm two. And if you go and you read Psalm two, it's talking about David, uh, how God sovereignly put David on the throne of Israel as a way to uh, f- like fulfill the promises that were made to Abraham, that God sovereignly put him in place to like to accomplish that, um, and uh, the promise made to Abraham was to bless the entire world through his lineage. And so, it's talking about David being there, referencing this promise that's been made, and through David would come the blessing to the whole earth, which would be the Messiah. And so by quoting Psalm 2, it's, it's this reference to God absolutely like putting, putting into place the pieces of the puzzle to move forward the blessing of all the nations uh, through his one Messiah. So they start off, God, you are sovereign throughout history. We know that, that you, you have been moving all these pieces into place. The third, then they go on. Um, it says, for truly in this city... They were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentile and the people of the earth. Okay, this is a summary. These are, these are all the people who plotted together um, and were responsible for the murder of Jesus, which fulfilled the prophecy of Psalm 2. 
So they're recognizing, and this gets a little bit like, like technical for a second, but um, when they reference Herod and Pontius Pilate, they're actually pointing to what was quoted in Psalm 2, where it says, the kings of the earth and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord. They're recognizing, oh, Herod and Pontius Pilate, those were those rulers you referenced in Psalm 2. Those are the modern day people that you predicted that would happen back in Psalm 2. And, then, and they say, oh, the Gentiles and the people of Israel, who co- they were co-conspirators in the murder of Christ. That's what you're talking about, the Gentiles raging back in Psalm 2. So they're connecting history together. That's what they're doing. So they're saying, Sovereign Lord, you you are over history. You have made all these things. You have moved throughout history. And you have been putting all these things into place. We see that this has been a puzzle that's been moving together slowly, 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 slowly. And now we're seeing it all fit together. Um, And all this has happened. Why? Look at verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. All this has been happening Because you wanted all these pieces to come together on purpose. That you've been at work the whole time. That is how they are processing this threat that has come against them. They're saying, okay, the Sanhedrin are saying that we can't speak or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. Yet, guess who's not in charge? The Sanhedrin, the rulers, the elders. Guess who's not in charge? Rome. Guess who is in charge? The sovereign God of the universe who has been moving all of these pieces into place. There's, they're, they're coming before the Lord. They're specifically telling him, we know who you are and we know who the boss is. And in light of all this, we are, we're not scared of what is happening because we know there's a greater story being told. We get it. What a, what a beautiful prayer. To come before the Lord and say, God, you are in charge here. Not this ruling body. Not, not my feelings about it. Not the circumstances. Not anything else I could list. There's something greater happening here and you are in charge of it. Well, that's not the end of the prayer. They're just, they're just getting started. In verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So the first part of the prayer is that they're, they're setting the table, you know, they're saying, this is our perspective. And with all that in mind here, now we get to our request. Now we get to, to ask. And what did they ask for? Verse 29 starts off, look upon their threats. Okay. Reminder, what, what are their threats? Not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And there are some unspecified threats that they don't get it to in the Bible. But you can, like, you can kind of see it where this is going based on what happened with Jesus. Uh, the implication would be arrest uh, or some kind of detainment, which could probably lead to torture and eventually death. I mean, there's, there's a lot that can be set into motion here. They say, look at the threats. And in light of that kind of spiritual persecution... 
Notice that they didn't ask for their circumstances to get easier. They asked for an increase in his divine power and help. Um, now, I'm, I think the application, like, or the thing that we learn from this and put it into our own lives is, uh, I don't know that, that very many of us have experienced persecution like this before. Some of you, some of you, I, I don't doubt have walked in intense situations. Um, so this is not this is not to say that uh, that anytime you are being uh, you're in, in a situation where you're uh, on the receiving end of difficulty. Don't hear me saying like, well, you you don't really need to ask for things to get better. You just need to pray for more faith. You know, there there are times when like ask God to help your circumstances. Yes. But notice that that wasn't, that's not, they didn't even ask it. But even if they did, it it wouldn't have been the only thing they asked for. It wasn't a prayer of of like, would you please let the Sanhedrin go easy on us? Would you just help them just to back off? And would you, you know, and then, you know, all this, just change our circumstances in Jesus name. Amen. Even if they had put that in there, don't you feel like they, what they're really getting down to is they're saying, well, we, we kind of know there's something bigger happening here. There's a bigger story being written here. So, um, yeah, look, look upon their threats. Like, pay attention to those threats and do whatever you want to with those threats. But what we need from you is to, for you to help us to be bold in the face of those threats. We, we need your spirit to empower us that we would not cower at these threats. That we would continue to speak your word with boldness. you think about the, the perspective there that if they, if, if the first part of the prayer is true and, and they're recognizing this greater narrative at work, that the, the promise made to Abraham that had come all the way through to David and all the way through to Christ and now all the way through to them and was going all the way out to the nations, they're seeing this big narrative and they're like, we... Let them make the threat. We don't. We we need to be bold in seeing that through. We don't need easier circumstances. We need more boldness. And for the, I, I believe that that it's because of that perspective that they prayed that prayer. When, if you pull this into our own lives, whenever we whenever we get really like, um, what I always heard called like tunnel vision, you know where. You're just looking at your your problem, your situation, your whatever it might be, and um, we just get really bogged down in that, and we forget. Hey, God, God's He's at work. You know, He's He's doing something. He He's moving among us. The Spirit that He's given you is ready to to lead you into what's next. There's a path of righteousness that He's ready to guide you down. Um. When we forget that, when we kind of box everything else out and we just focus so much on the decision that we have to make or the, or the problem or the thing we're worried about or anxious about or whatever it might be. Um, in the times when we do decide, I need to pray about this, the prayer reflects that perspective. 
The prayer is very focused and very narrow and like, I need you to fix this or change this or tell me about this or whatever it might be. It seems like a lot of what God is, is, is doing among us through the work of his spirit and through life and community is, is helping us like take those blinders off a little bit and lift our heads and see the whole horizon, you know, that, yeah, there's this thing you have to figure out this, whatever, whatever it is, but it, it's not happening on an island. Like whatever you and I are dealing with right now is not happening on, on an island. It's not happening in a way that's detached from this big global Jesus narrative that, that's being written and the like personal way that that shows up in each of our lives. It, it, whatever you're going through is a part of that. It fits into that. That God has sovereignly just been guiding things along, uh, working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So as random as whatever we face might feel or seem, uh, God's been laying the groundwork for you to deal with it. He's given you everything you need for life and godliness through your knowledge of him who's called you to his own glory and excellence. And so you're, you're good. I'm good. We're good. It's... It's just a matter of, of like our perspective on things. And I think for us to look at them and to look at their prayer and how their prayer was expressing that perspective, uh, we have to be able to pull that into our, into our lives and make sure that we're not so buried in the unknown that we forget this greater landscape of what God's doing. And so here they are praying this prayer. And what we see... Is, is it's, there's two things that are happening. Verse 29, they say, grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. Verse, tw- verse 30, while you stretch out your hand to heal, signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Two things are going on. Uh, they, they're asking for divine power to speak the word with boldness, and God is reaching in to heal and to do these miracles. What we see is this, this partnership between divine empowerment and human effort that's happening. Both of those things are going on in this moment. Um, so there are things that only God can do, right? Like we're in, in all the things that we face, there are elements to it where we're like, God, I, we just need you to do something miraculous here. We need, this is, this is beyond our skill set. This is out of our wheelhouse, however you want to think of it. Like, only you can reach your hand in and heal or restore or forgive or reconcile or whatever, whatever it might be. There are miraculous divine elements to whatever it is that we're facing. And there's human responsibility that we bring to the table as well. So they're saying, help us to speak boldly while you are working miracles. Those two things work in tandem. And sometimes it's, it's easy to kind of, kind of feel like it's like one or the other. We either feel like it's one or the other, or sometimes we, we behave in that way. Sometimes it's easy to go to the extreme of like, well, God's just going to have to do it. He can work a miracle if he wants to. As if we do nothing. Or the other extreme is we have, to take, we have to take the bull by the horns. We have to figure out a plan. We have to do all this stuff. We don't need God's help with any of it. And it's so easy to, to err one extreme or the other when really you just take both of those extremes and push them together and that seems to be what the Bible talks about. You know, and it's, 
it's very, uh, like in our day, a lot of Christians get caught up in that debate over like human free will and God's like sovereign guidance of, of everything. And there's lots of debates and like the split into different camps of theological belief and all that stuff. And it's caused a lot of pain, a lot of damage. And, um, people always like to try to pin me down. They're like, where are you on the whole like debate? I'm like, good luck. Good luck. You will not, you will not pin me down. Um, and a lot of that is because when I look at the Bible, I, I see both of those things happening. I see God sovereignly guiding history in the direction that he wants us to go. And I see humans making decisions that absolutely matter every single day. And humans are making decisions and God is, is stepping in and fixing things and molding things and shaping things. And, and those things are fitting together. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to get on the same page with the Lord. We're trying to get to that shalom in our decision-making and in our, our speech and in, like in everything that we do. We're trying to have that thing where us and God are doing the same thing. Where my human free will and his sovereignty are like the two sides of the same coin. And I'm very glad that his sovereignty is able to fix my like stupidity when human free will goes in the wrong direction. You know, aren't you glad for that? Like, aren't you glad that, that you are not like, uh, like sin your way right out of heaven because you like go through a bad season and all that kind of stuff. So he's sovereignly doing what he wants to do and our decisions matter. And so they seem to be really in tune with this, you know. They're like, we want to speak with boldness and we need you to do the miraculous stuff. And we can't speak with boldness if you're not doing miraculous stuff within us too, if you're not helping us. And so we see that partnership between the divine and the human in such a way that it's almost like he never really wanted us to be separate in the first place. Hello? It's, it's a very Trinitarian thing that he's doing, almost as if uh, like earth and heaven should be operating the same way. You know, almost as if that was his plan the whole time was, hey, let's let's rule the universe together, children. That's what he's going for. And so, uh, yeah, there are times when our like decisions get us all out of whack and he's there to like be the, the holy parent who does his parent thing. But as we walk with him more and more and more and more, there should be a holiness about us. These kinds of prayers should be what we're praying we're saying, God, look upon what's happening to us. Yes, do, do what you will there. But will you help me to, to walk in boldness, to walk in faith and not by sight, to not be afraid, to not be anxious, to, to, to not withhold forgiveness from those who have hurt me. I could go on and on and on and on. Will you help me to do that while at the same time you're coming in and you're just doing the stuff that only you can do? Because you are the holy, sovereign creator and sustainer of all things. What a great prayer. What a great example being set for us. I don't know who's leading this prayer. It could be Peter and it could be John. It could be one of the brand new kids on the block. You know, We don't really know. It doesn't really matter. There's a wisdom here that we can all learn from. So in the things that you and I are facing currently... And things that we will face uh, for you as an individual, for your friend group, for your family, for your community group, for our church, for, for you know, on, on any level you can think about it. 
Heavenly wisdom points toward these kinds of prayers. And we recognize that God is the one in charge. And at the same time, we recognize that we play a role in shaping the story. So we ask him to do the things only he can do. And help us have the wisdom and the power to do the things that we're called to do. It's, it's, not, it's not complicated. It doesn't mean that it's easy to walk in all the time, but it's not, it's not complicated. All in the context of these new believers being filled with the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit of God lives within us. And so just when you start to think that you, I don't know, I don't know if I could pray that prayer. I don't know if I could, could speak with boldness. I don't know if I could do this or this or this or this. It's like, yeah, in your own power, you're not going to be able to do it and you won't be able to do it. And so you come to the end of yourself and you're, you recognize that these are the prayers we pray because God is the one guiding us. Look at the last verse, verse 31. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Wouldn't you love it if you're like, hey, let's have a prayer meeting. And at the end of the prayer, toward the end of the prayer meeting, the building starts to shake. And not because you're on a fault line. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's shaken because God's doing something. I've never been in a, in a building where the room was shaking because we were praying, but I have been in some, in some, in some like corporate times of worship and prayer where it was, it was uh, just as tangible that God was at work, you know, that when the people of God are gathered and we're, and we're, we're focused and of course God answers their prayers. Of course they go out from there speaking with boldness because they're praying for the same things that he would pray for. Their prayers are lined up with his. And when that happens, there's a fruitfulness that comes. When we are buried in our own circumstances and our own feelings and our own like agenda and whatever it might be, um, sometimes we come out of that when we're like, I don't, I don't feel like, I, like God even heard me. Well, God heard you. But it makes sense that you wouldn't really feel like those things are driving together because you're not looking at the whole landscape of what he's doing. And so I hope that a part of this morning can maybe help us all kind of examine our, our, our hearts and our minds as we approach the various things we're approaching and saying, do I have my head down? You know, do I have my blinders on? Am I, am I in a situation where I'm, I'm missing out on the fact that God's doing this, this like, has this beautiful landscape in front of me? Of his activity. It's easy to do. Especially we're facing all this unknown stuff right now. You know. You got two weeks till, till schools go back. Two and a half weeks. trying to Parents trying to figure out. Because no one really thought we'd still be here. The numbers in our state are going the wrong direction. And everyone's. You know. We're trying to figure out all that kind of stuff. We're trying to figure out all the reform happening in our culture. We're trying to figure out so many things right now, aside from all the other like individual things that, you know, life doesn't stop just because there's a pandemic. Um, this absolutely applies in all those things as we try to really figure out, am I aware of the fact that God is, God is doing this bigger thing right now? Am I able to, to ask him to recognize my circumstances, but but give me give me what I need to be faithful while you do miraculous things. 
Um, it probably applies in your life somewhere right now. And if not right now, it probably will. There probably will come something where these are the kinds of prayers that you're going to need to step into. And so whether this is for you today or you down the road, I hope it's been an encouragement to you and given you some things to think about and to pray about. Um, and so we're going to do what we, what we nor- normally do. Is there a normal anymore? I don't know. Uh, typically, we would, obviously, we would serve communion, but... Um, I always like to do like to have some like music and processing time on the back end of things because I feel like there's probably some like prayers that need to be prayed and some things that need to be said to the Lord or maybe to other people. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna do some music. We we won't be serving communion until we can figure out how to do that in a safe way. But it, it doesn't mean that the spirit of communion is not here. You know that that we still receive the grace that we need from Him that his body and blood have given us everything that we need. And so you can still receive it if you're not receiving it. You receive it? Okay. Man, tough crowd. (laughs) Bad joke. All that to say, just because our normal response rhythms are not in place doesn't mean that we don't know what to do in these moments. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a little bit. And you and the Lord just do your thing. And uh, we'll close out in just a a second. Let me pray for us. Lord, I'm grateful for these believers that... um, Whoever was articulating this prayer, whether they had walked with you or they had just come to know you, it doesn't really matter. Um, There's a beauty here that we can learn from. And I pray as we face a wide variety of circumstances across the room, and we're also unified together in, in some of the same things that we're facing, that we would, we would follow in the footsteps of these, uh, these saints who have gone before us. That we would ask you the same thing, to look upon our circumstances, but, but we, need you to, we need you to help us and give us what we need in order to be faithful. And at the same time, we need you to sovereignly guide things along and to do what only you can do. I pray, God, that you could bring about that unity where, where our, our free will and your sovereignty are, are just lined up perfectly in, in true peace and true shalom. That's what you provide for us in Christ. And so whatever prayers we need to pray or however, whatever we need to respond, whatever that needs to look like, for us, before we part ways this morning, I pray these next few minutes would get the ball rolling. Um, we, uh, we love you very much, and we thank you uh, for your grace to us. And pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as we, as we do some songs and stuff, uh, let's stand together. Uh, and you, you pray as you feel led. And uh, may this just be a time that's what you need it to be before we go.